The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, Monday Night Raw, review. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling to the Max's Raw Review for November 20th, 2017. And we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, the place where you'll get all your great wrestling needs and a lot more. And don't forget to go subscribe, rate, and review over there at Wrestling to the Max. That'll get you this review show, plus all the other great review shows and our regular episodes of Wrestling to the Max. And don't forget to give some love over to 411mania.com. And last word on ProWrestling.com. Both are great, amazing sites. Go check them out as well. I am Gary Vaughn, and here tonight, straight out of H-Town and back in Big D, Mr. Paul Leeser. hey And, uh, Paul, we have uh, a Raw here to talk about, all about the, the fallout from Survivor Series. But you were actually alive in Survivor Series, and I can't wait to talk about that. We're going to be talking about that on our regular episode of Wrestling to the Max. So if you want to hear Paul kind of get into the ins and outs of those shows, being there live at NXT TakeOver, War Games, and, of course, Survivor Series, come check out that Wrestling to the Max show. It's going to be a lot of fun. He'll give you some of those great details. Uh, but tonight we're talking all the stuff that happened following Survivor Series, the fallout here. So this is going to be kind of interesting. Lots of different situations kind of rounded out here in this show. Yeah, they uh, they really did have a whole lot to address after uh, a, a crappy ending to what was actually a pretty enjoyable show all the way up to the end. So, uh, And they waste no time in doing so as Stephanie comes out to gloat about how Raw won the uh, series uh, of matches at Survivor Series 4-3, to obviously. Uh, obviously, excuse me, and she says that, uh, you know, Kurt Job, you're safe, uh, all this other stuff, uh, you know, you got you know, beat up, obviously, by Triple H and all that, uh, Triple H comes down, uh, Kurt Angle comes down, basically you get a big argument um, about last night and how things went down, basically Kurt's still pissed, this brings out Jason Jordan, though, who wants to wrestle Triple H tonight, and uh, Stephanie's like, uh, dude, Triple H is going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then speaking of murder, out comes Braun Strowman, who also has some beef with Triple H still, who uh, apparently doesn't like cheaters or doesn't like, you know, people beating up his boss, whatever. Uh, Beard to nose, they go, Triple H backs off. Uh, Jason Jordan's still in the ring since he's itching for a fight. Stephanie makes them uh, face off later on in the evening. Which basically is just a uh, angle masquerading as a match because Jason Jordan uh, doesn't really get a whole lot of time to try to fight back or show that he can hang because Kane comes down uh, and attacks Braun with a chair uh, and ends up sending him throat first and uh, all sorts of stuff with the chair. So clearly that's still a thing. Uh you also have some stuff earlier in the night, too, with Jordan talking to his dad about uh, seemingly trying to get out of the match, almost, because he says he's not 100%, but he was 100% when Triple H was out there. 
This is some spotty storytelling to me, and I, I think they might also be playing a long game here, Gary, of maybe this entire Jason Jordan uh, parentage thing might be a setup, because this is starting to feel awfully, you know, awfully like the authority all over again. I think you're onto something here, because Jason Jordan, being a young upstart, playing this role of Kurt Angle's son, and the next thing you know, he turns the tables, and him and Triple H are best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that that could be something that could be down the line. I mean, I, I, still a little early to predict that, but I, I think we can kind of nod our head that way. Uh, you know, this is very spotty, like you're saying here. That That's actually the perfect definition of what we're seeing. And I think about this, and I really kind of scratch my head because, sure, there's a long game here. <laughs> but at the present time, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel all that exciting. You, you know, you just mentioned Survivor Series. I mean, Survivor Series is a lot of fun. It was just just great ride. It was a roller coaster. I, I used this example, and I'll just use it a qu- again quickly on a review show for Survivor Series. And I said, it's like drinking a, a nice cold Coca-Cola. You're, oh, man, it's so good. You're, you're refreshed. And then you get to the last bit of the Coke, and it's warm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, eh. and that's what this feels. It just kind of feels warm. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't. Feel, it just feels a little mm, out of place. And so that's my problem with this whole thing. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't really take me anywhere. And I, I'm sorry, Triple H. You, you're a legend. You're a guy that'll be in the Hall of Fame. You're going to do all these great things. But right now, at this moment, you don't inspire me to really get excited about a feud. You just don't. Right. And that's my big thing here, Paul. We've seen this happen. The authority, there are great foes, but are we going to get excited? Not the way they're doing it. They're not doing it the right way. Braum Strowman is that perfect piece to get you excited. I can't lie. I was happy to see Braum. It excited me a little bit. You know, you just have this big monster who's the perfect kryptonite against a guy like Triple H. But there's no payoff and there probably won't be for a long time. So that once again, doesn't inspire me. This does muddy the waters a lot. Um, And and I think a lot of the same pieces are here from the first time around. The authority was here. Uh, You know, a young upstart looking to climb his way up to the top and, and, and Jason Jordan, if they decide to go that way, Kane obviously has a history with them. Uh, it feels like we're going back that direction, and it feels like a huge step back, even though this is basically, I feel like in the long run, at least uh, trying to get to WrestleMania now, is going to be Kurt and Triple H set up all the way until April. Or if they decide to go the way that Triple H is usually going and putting over the young guys and him and Braun, maybe. But, you know, I... I think I'm like you. This doesn't really do a whole lot for me, and I think we're in the vast minority on this because uh, being there, Survivor Series, Triple H gets a huge pop. He got a huge pop whenever he announced himself uh, on the Raw before Survivor Series, saying that he's on the team now. And I don't... I I like Triple H, right? And I'm not really against him being used in the fashion that he has been recently, but him and Stephanie immediately injecting themselves back into being the overarching story along with, with Shane. Uh, Cause it sort of felt like that too, at least a survivor series that this huge McMahon saga is always going to dominate the landscape. Anytime they decide to bring it up. 
And it really, really sucks. Because there's a lot of other stuff going on that's going to have to take a back seat now. And, and fortunately, at least it doesn't feel like Braun is going to be a victim of that. But there might be some others, you know? Yeah, and there usually is. And, I mean, there's nothing you can do about this. This is the way it's going to work. The authority figures are going to be, you know, dominating your television for a while now since they have made their presence known again. They've come out from their hole, and uh, we'll have to see when we can get them back in that hole. And sadly, it may not be till after April again. Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but I will say this. I'll take one big positive thing from this. I enjoyed Kurt Angle nose to nose with Triple H in the segment because it was nice to see him ba- basically going to get back to that Olympic gold medalist attitude mm-hmm. and not so much the tender GM that he's been. Right. Um, so that's a positive out of it. You know, I enjoyed him in Survivor Series and him in action and, you know, getting a chance to see him do this. It makes me feel a little bit better about what's going on with Kurt. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. When we watched Survivor Series, it was some young guys with a three old guy, older guys, at least two of them really older guys. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny to see because, you know, these guys have been in the ring great legends and all, but not as quick as they used to be. And that's right. what's kind of funny. But I'm still excited about that. And when it comes to WrestleMania, if Angle and Triple H face off, I will still be excited. I think that's going to be a fun match if, if that's the one that happens. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to take away from that because I think it'd be really cool. It's very evocative. It brings back a lot of those nice nostalgic memories of, uh, you know, the 2000 to, to 2004, essentially. And I don't want to take away from that because that is something very cool that I wouldn't mind seeing recaptured again in the in the present day. But uh, I I don't know if it's worth it at the expense of all this other talent they have that they really really should be focusing on. Because I mean, if you're not building stars now and you're already suffering attendance losses and stuff like that, like it's not it's not worth it. You know, all, as much as I as it sucks to say that being a fan of these guys, it's it's just not worth it in the long run. Oh, yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point there. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if the company toes that line. Right. Right. <laughs> that's the problem. I, I think you're on to something great here, and which is something that's more youthful and something they should really think about when they grab the next generation. Uh, but that's not what they usually do. They usually kind of play a little 50-50 on that game. Mm-hmm. and. So that's the way it worked out. But I think we'll have to kind of hold our horses before we get too far in our thinking because there's going to be a lot of changes and some things may even switch up between now and WrestleMania. We're, right. we're, we're getting ahead of the game probably a little bit here in our conversation. But I think, nonetheless, we get some good stuff here, even though we may not like everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's just go ahead and move on because I feel like it's a good place to leave that. Samoa Joe takes on Finn Balor next. Uh, obviously, these two guys had some issues trying to team together in the Survivor Series match, and they've sort of been building up this feud between these two guys. And you get a good match here, about 12 minutes. Uh, Balor ends up falling victim to the Kakina Clutch. And um, one, I really like this, giving Joe the boost here. Because as much as I really enjoy Finn, the wrestler, the Finn, the character is just very flat. And Joe still, I think has all this momentum that he carried with him and being off screen for a while makes him feel super fresh. And I really, really like the idea of of Joe getting this victory here and, and maybe coming out of this feud looking a lot stronger. 
But for Finn, it's still somebody now who's relevant. And I think that's going to work best for him trying to get him back on the right track, too. Yeah, that's the the biggest positive thing out of this. Yeah, sure, Finn Balor takes a loss, and that's kind of sucks in a way because if you're a Finn Balor fan, you want this guy to get on a streak. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. But the big but is that it's, it's against someone who is very relevant, a guy that I think me and you agree is really kind of getting some crowd reactions, getting some momentum behind him. And I think a lot of people are really excited about seeing what Samoa Joe can do. And I think Finn Balor's not far behind. I think his performance at Survivor Series was really good. I think yeah. he did a lot for himself in that match. So coming into the night, facing off against a guy like Samoa Joe, there's no bad things when you could lose to a guy like Joe. So very happy with this match itself. I mean, they did some really good things here. I think both guys come out looking great. I really, really do. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, I mean, against a guy like Samoa Joe, there's no bad things. Or, you know, it's not embarrassing at all for Finn because right. it's it's a big-time player. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, ultimately, why I feel like Joe is probably just going to end up being the big guy that's sort of holding the gate uh, for the main event over here on Raw it's still, I think this is a strong feud, right, already, even though there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone yet. Uh, I think going forward, and this match for sure, I think shows that it's going to be something you want to keep watching Raw every week for. So that's that's a big positive for me already in the early going to the show. Uh, moving on, you have uh, Miz TV with with uh, Roman Reigns. Um, Miz is, is sort of over Baron Corbin already, which I'm still pissed that he lost, but... Say la vie. Uh, yeah. uh, the shield comes down. Uh, basically, we get into uh, a big contest about how the shield feels unstoppable after overcoming the New Day and, and what was a, an absolutely terrific match. Uh, and Miz sort of is backhanded in his compliments of them and saying, you know, you should really thank me. I'm the reason you guys got back together. Maybe you want to send me some of that money you guys are making from all that merch. And they they <laughs> kind of counter back and forth. Uh, Roman uh, wants a title uh, because, obviously, Dean and Seth are gung-ho about getting the tag titles back, and he doesn't want to be left out. Eventually, this r- runs into Reigns challenging Miz for the Intercontinental title. Bo Dallas, however, steps up and says, Hey, man, you want to get to him? You got to go through me. Obviously, the Shield has no problem killing people, as they do with Bo here, as well as Curtis, uh, who is, of course, still in the neck brace, like a wonderful human being that he is, eats a knee in a, in a dirty deeds, and uh, we learn later on, of course, that Roman will face off against Miz in the main event. And before we get to the matches, I just want to get your thoughts on this segment. I, I thought this was fine, right? I don't know if it was a, a home run or anything, but everything is still... I think rolling along for these guys. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it's kind of just that though. It's just rolling along. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting on the edge of my seat or anything like that with the Miz tonight because usually he gets some great zingers. Usually he brings up a comment or says something that kind of makes you laugh and you just, Oh, I can't believe he said that. Or I really love that comment tonight was not really his night per se. I mean, that, that little, thing about the merchandise for shield was probably the best it got for me i I just i wasn't overly inspired by any of this either um but 
it, it got the point across. It got us set up for the matches. So, mm-hmm. okay, there you go. And, you know, even when you have Miz later on talking to Kurt Angle, that whole thing just to me kind of came off as Miz being kind of not really whiny, but just kind of playing a little bit more to the sympathetic role, which you don't have sympathy for Miz. Why would you have sympathy for Miz? You know what I mean? So it it just did not work for me completely. So not my favorite Miz night. It's okay. He can't have winners every night. Right. That's what it is. But, yeah, I mean, I do like the idea of setting up a big match, to the main event for Miz and Roman Reigns and all that. So I think they got what they needed to accomplish. It just wasn't to – I think my expectations. I think that's the biggest thing here, Paul. Yeah. I have really high expectations for Miz. I really do. I agree. And there there might be something to this feud sort of being tired by now because, I mean, really, the Shield and, and the Bar have been feuding since the end of the, of the summer, almost, it feels like. So, uh, and that may not be true. I might be getting my dates mixed up. But they've been at it for a while. So. It feels like it if it's not, Paul. <laughs> it really does. I think I felt like this was 2007 till now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, and I want to point this out. The, the Mr. Raj is getting beat up a lot lately. Yeah. They have not really gotten the upper hand on anyone. It makes you really question how long that thing is going to work out because mm-hmm. – it seems like every single week, Curtis Axel finds himself in a bad situation. Same with Bo Dallas. So I, I have those questions in mind as I watch this every single week. Right. Yeah. Um, let, let's move on uh, to Dean Ambrose taking on Sheamus here. Uh, another pretty solid 12 minutes of action here as Dean ends up getting the victory with Dirty Deeds. Uh, you have some Rollins and uh, Cesaro shenanigans on the outside sort of distracting you a little bit here and there, but this is all basically just rolling along here uh, to an eventual tag title rematch whenever that is going to go down. But I I, I thought this was solid. Good work from both guys, and and these guys continue to just put on good matches. You're exactly right on that, and the bar, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, man, they really... Uh, it's kind of funny, but they had a parallel at Survivor Series because I think they've done an excellent job in their matches. No matter really who they're facing, even though it's usually the Shield, <laughs> they've really put on some great performances. And the same with the Usos over there on SmackDown. I mean, my God, it's like I was talking about last week. Uh, it doesn't matter really right now with the Usos. They just put on good matches. I, I can't wait till we get to the end of the year in January and do our awards because I swear to God, I'm going to give the Usos some award. They've just really impressed me this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, same with the bar. Both the same Seamus and Cesaro are really doing a great job on Raw. I think they have a great match here. It was something that I was kind of fearful that I was going to be bored out of my mind, to be honest with you. Like you said, since the dawn of time, this feud feels like it's been taking place. But yet, they still got me. They still mm-hmm. drug me into this match, and I, mm-hmm. I started getting behind it, and I felt pretty good about it. And, you know, hey, the Shield winning, it's, you know, it's kind of what happens. The Shield wins. No problem with it, but still at the same point at least i got a great match out of it where i wasn't bored uh you know so i'm i'm good with it absolutely uh so let's go ahead and fast forward to that main event uh the intercontinental titles up for grabs roman reigns and the miz 16 and a half minutes later or so reigns hits the spear gets a big victory after you have some bar and and shield shenanigans on the outside too uh 
this didn't really do a whole lot for me, honestly. I'm okay with the title change here. They haven't done a whole lot with the Miz and the Intercontinental title, even though they kept saying, or at least Miz kept saying that he's trying to make it into something. WWE didn't seem interested in doing that, so... I, I mean, the move here freshens it up, it keeps this feud moving forward, all that other stuff, but I don't know, this is kind of meh. Well, just like the Intercontinental Championship, mm-hmm. been kind of meh. I mean, really, has it's been a while since that title's really meant something. It's kind of funny, for a long time there, we kept talking about how the U.S. title didn't mean anything, and then they started having the U.S. title challenges over there on SmackDown, John Cena, AJ Styles, doing those things, and making that title. But here we got the Intercontinental title, and it's just been, hey, this is a decoration. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of stinks, and that's probably why Baron Corbin won. Uh, Survivor Series, and that's still terrible. But here we go to this match. This The reason I think you just really didn't care for it so much is it's just WWE formula. Miz goes outside the ring, plays around for a little while, gets back in, mixes it up, and finds his way around, you know, tricking Reigns or doing his thing to, to get the upper hand for a little while until, well, you know, Roman does his thing and overcomes the odds and wins this match. So, mm-hmm. We'll see. I was not really happy with the way this whole thing rounded out, not because the Miz lost the title. It's still kind of sad. Uh, but just because of, like you said, this is just WWE formula. This is like, you know, every third Raw we watch anyway. So right. not not a big deal to me. Not a great main event. Roman Reigns is the Intercontinental Champion. I, I'm kind of curious where that's going to go. I'm not going to lie. I want to see how they use it. Maybe Roman will build the Intercontinental title to make it matter because, well, they want to have him win a ton of matches anyway. Might as well give him a championship to hopefully build up on. So if, if there's anything that comes out of this, hopefully it's the Intercontinental title gets to look better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with that. And obviously I think, uh, especially after looking at Survivor Series last night, the WrestleMania plan is still in place for it to be Reigns and Lesnar again for the world title, or the universal title, excuse me. Uh, at least having that still penciled in, because I'm sure it could change. I, I don't know exactly what you're going to accomplish with Roman in the, as the Intercontinental title uh, holder moving forward. Uh, and I can only assume it's just not going to be that long a run, and he's only really going to be working with The Miz unless, uh, you know, another three-man team shows up or, or something else happens to The Shield in between this time and WrestleMania. But I, it is a bit of a head-scratcher for me just because I, I really don't know what this accomplishes other than just trying to freshen up the championship, which is, it is whatever, but... I, I mean, looking at this long term, I don't know if this is really going to do anything for it. You're probably right on that. I, I'm just having high hopes. <laughs> I just, I, I'm honest, being honest with you because I don't know what else they could do. Here's the, the, my dream mm-hmm. is that they give it to Roman to be the transition. And that way he gets another nice gold star on his resume. Oh, you were in a continental title this many times. Mm-hmm. And then he passes it off to maybe someone like Samoa Joe. Where he has a match with Joe, Miz, or someone else gets involved to screw Reigns, and, well, Samoa Joe walks away with the title, and Reigns gets distracted and moves on. Mm-hmm. That's the best uh, thought process I have on it. That would be something special. And then, hopefully, 
the person building the title would not be Roman Reigns. But if not, if they're determined to have Roman Reigns make this a little bit of a run before WrestleMania, before he drops it, hopefully he makes it look good. Because I've been disappointed. I want the Intercontinental title to be something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get through all this other mid-card stuff before we get to what I felt was the better part of the show. Uh, first up, you have the cruiserweights, uh, on tap. Enzo shows up with Drew Gulak, um, and Tony Nese, Arya Davari, Noam Dar as well. Gloats about being the cruiserweight champion, uh, talks about the Zoe train here. However, Mustafa Ali, Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander show up. Uh, they're, they're here because they want a title shot. They're willing to earn it. It's match time. Uh, the heels against the faces here. Uh, honest to God, this is a waste of time. <laughs> uh, the The faces get stuck chasing around Enzo. Uh, the heels don't really get to look like anything else other than just basic support here before we have Mustafa Ali hit the imploding 450 on Noam Dar to put this away. But I... Uh, <laughs> This was just not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love your reaction to this. This is not good. It's not good. I'm trying to be nice, too. It's just no. not good. Hey, let your let your emotions out, Paul. Let, whatever you <laughs> want to say about it, just let it go. I'm sure everyone listening right now has the same feelings about this. This is filler. This is what the cruiserweights are. They are nothing more, nothing less. They are filler. I hate to say it that way. That's very mean, especially if you're a big fan of the Cruiserweight title. I'm sorry, Juventud Guerrero is not holding the title. I don't care. So <laughs> until he is, maybe my inspiration will be back involved in this whole title hunt. Um, of course, I'd like Neville, too. I can't lie. When King Neville was taking control of that title. It was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right now, you're right. This is just, a, to me, a, this is a filler match. It's okay. It is entertaining. I'll give them that. These cruiserweights are talented. There are several guys in this match that I really do enjoy, heel and face side. But you kind of felt like you could walk away, go get you a sandwich, and come back and not miss a whole lot. This yeah. was just kind of there. It really wasn't going to mean anything at the end of the day because, well, guess what? The cruiserweights don't have any big storylines. They don't really matter. And these ends, the, whatever they call it, the Zotrain stuff, it, it never changes. There's nothing there. It's just a group of guys, mm-hmm. right? And that's the problem with it. They really need to have something that progresses, not something that is very stagnant. This is very, very stagnant, mm-hmm. which makes it stagnant on Raw, which means guys like us and probably lots of other people, even the casuals, just don't care. Right. Right. Um, if this got you to watch 205 Live tomorrow, uh, you deserve a medal for it because this just made me want to not care at all going forward. So, oh. um the Drifter shows up after that, plays a little bit of a tune. You have Matt Hardy show up. We have a big brawl. Uh, Matt's arm is still all wrapped up, uh, and he's sort of favoring it. So uh, Matt also talks to Jason Jordan earlier in the night, too. I forgot to talk about that because Jordan's looking for tips about Braun, uh, and Matt sort of plays mentor. So I, Matt Hardy's direction sort of seems to be aimless still, without uh, one, without the broken gimmick, and two, without Jeff around to really give them... I, I guess what they want, which is the tag team, but it's this is it's kind of whatever. I I don't I don't mind this actually. I mean, Drifter and 
Matt had a little bit of a flash chemistry, I think, during the pre-show match yesterday, even though it was a total just filler thing, but it's whatever. It was the one match I missed on Survivor Series. Yeah. I I did not rewind far enough to watch that match. Uh, I probably, like you said, it was filler. I don't really feel like I missed too much. And you didn't. I, <laughs> I, and, I, and I think this would happen on Raw kind of showed me that. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I hate to say I don't care, but I just don't have a lot invested in this whole feud because, sure, I love Matt Hardy. I, I think he's a great guy. He's a great character. But I just don't know where they're going to go with it because it's obvious. Elias is the guy that Vince loves. He's going to put him over. So it's just going to end up where Elias finally beats down Matt and he moves on to the next soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's and right now we still got another thirty days to wait on this broken gimmick and all that stuff. So right. he's just not expecting anything right now for for Matt Hardy, and it's kind of a shame, but it's what you have to deal with. And I love Matt Hardy too for the fact that he can you know do pretty good on the mic and he can hold himself pretty well. But that whole mentorship with Jason Jordan. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because I kept waiting and biding my time for him to do throw out one of the broken things, just kind of to sneak it in. He never did. It felt very rehearsed or like mm-hmm. he was reading a script. And I was just I, – I, I honestly could have done without that. I, I, it made me kind of not want to see Matt Hardy tonight. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, I'm not going to say that was like a – you know, go home segment, but the, I mean, the interaction there seems to continue and whether that's going to be something to pay attention to or not going forward is, is sort of up in the air, but it's, it's not like it's the worst thing on this show, you know, <laughs> no, it's not the worst thing, but okay, look, I'm looking way too much of the Matt Hardy stuff. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying it, it just made me lackluster on Matt Hardy even more. Yeah, if I'll say it that way, right? I mean, I, once I had some hope, now it's like, oh, don't even have any hope. Just he's just here. I wasn't attacking you for. It. I was just trying to put a bow on it. Like at least this wasn't no. the worst thing. You should on attack show. me though. You should attack <laughs> me on this. Completely attack me. I'm taking ten minutes to say something. That takes two. Uh, it's all right. This is what we do. <laughs> I know. Uh, so let's finally get to the ladies. Uh, first up, Oscar murders Dana Brooke. This was wonderful. Yeah, uh, everything it should have been. I loved Oscar during Survivor Series. The Soul Survivor bit, while predictable, was absolutely the right move. Oscar uh, continue to looking great is good things for Raw. Uh, I bet you are smiling uh, just overall, just thinking about this because Oscar came out of Survivor Series and and right into Raw and looked strong as ever. This mm-hmm. is the Oscar we know from NXT. Right. This is this is her. Mm-hmm. We finally got this. You know, even though it, it was at this cause of having Emma fired, whatever, uh, it's it's great to see this. I think they did a good job. And, and you know, it's a squash match, essentially. Yeah. But at least Dana Brooke got a chance to talk and explain herself. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. That matters. That means something. It, it, it wasn't just, hey, here's somebody to face. One, two, three, you win. Go home. They, they actually gave us a reason to care about why Dana Brooks even doing this. So, good stuff. Right. Right. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Alexa Bliss shows up later on the show. Uh, talks about how she's sick and tired of people saying she came up short. Survivor Series. 
Uh, basically calls Charlotte's win a fluke because she only had five days to prepare. This has been her year. She's been the best. She's still the goddess. All these other things. Revolving door segment time, though, because here comes all the challengers. Mickey James still isn't done with her. Bailey wants a chance to regain her title that she lost earlier in the year. Uh, Alicia Fox captained the Survivor Series team to victory, apparently, even though she was by far the worst person on that show. And uh, Sasha Banks, it's Sasha Banks, and and wants the title, too. Kurt Angle comes out, four-way. This, however, is basically all a show, because here comes Paige, roaring back in. The crowd eats this up with a spoon. Uh, However, Paige is not alone, Gary. She's got Sonya Deville, she's got uh, Mandy Rose as her backup, and they run in and just wreck shop. Backstage to Alexa Bliss shows up and is like, hey, you did good out there, and then tries to do her usual making nice with the bigger heels here. They're not here for that. They, they beat the crap out of Alexa, too. I, I mean, what are your thoughts on all this, Gary? I thought this was really cool. Yeah. Uh, let me just start out with talking about the beginning here and saying, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss coming out and do her thing. It mm-hmm. was fine. It, you know, usual good stuff. I, I didn't have any hatred or anything bad to say really about the promo. Uh, I was really honestly kind of hoping they dip back into that whole thing where it was, you know, where we could possibly see Mickey James back in a feud with Alexa Bliss to get the title. And I was kind of hoping she would eventually get the title, but that's not what happened here. We got that boring revolving door that I hate so much. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. care. Sure, some of the entrance music is fun, blah, blah. I just did not care at all. So thank you, Paige, for ruining their day. That was the best thing I was pretty happy about it you know i i I follow Paige. i think she's fine and and, you know does a great job for what she's worth i may not be the giant Paige fan that a lot of other people are but this was a nice fresh breath there right Mm -hmm. something new something we haven't seen in a long long time so i think that works for us i think Paige bringing friends was great i don't know what to say about the friends she brought to be honest with you paul (laughs) i i i I, we never see mandy rose on nxt television you just you never do. I don't mm-hmm. even know the last time we saw uh, Sonya Deville. Hey, a, a reputable person, someone I think could kind of fit the bill of being a sidekick with Paige. But at the same point, I thought they were building her up on NXT, so that's something else to kind of think about. But here we are. Uh, I, I wonder what they're going to be called. That's my thing. What are they going to be called? I want to know the faction name, and I think it's going to be cool to kind of see a faction of ladies where we haven't seen that in a while. That's mm-hmm. something to kind of to add this division that would be, you know, I guess you'd say their own way of being the, the you know, undisputed era for the women over here. Right. <laughs> some names we haven't seen, you know, kind of like they did in NXT with the Red Dragon. So I think this is cool. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This was probably the best thing I saw on the entire night for Raw, if you ask me. I, I agree with you entirely. This is certainly the thing I think the, the live audience cared about the most as well, because they just absolutely exploded when Paige's music hit and, hung on her every word, even though they were very few. Um, they they just picked up on everything she was laying down. and uh, So I th- there's a couple of topics I wanted to get into about this, but, I mean, you already mentioned one, which was Mandy Rose and, and Sonia Deville being the choices here. And, and you're right about Mandy. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of her on NXT. I, too, am struggling to remember the last time we really saw her. 
Um, I, I, you know, actually, I think she was in that battle royal um, for the uh, trying to find that last spot for the NXT women's title match at the TakeOver special this last sa- uh, Saturday. Sonya's a, a head scratcher. I, I, and this is this is something we've seen WWE do before too. So maybe it's not so much a head scratcher, but Sonya is still somebody who I feel like is very rough around the edges, and uh, really could have used some more time in NXT to either one hone the gimmick or two just really get polished up some more. Because I I haven't seen anything from her that makes me see what WWE sees. Because uh, clearly they think she's going to be a big star. And all these other things. And then I, I'm almost wondering if maybe they brought them up because they don't have anything for them to do in NXT. And they like both of them. And they want to see what they can get out of them here on the main roster. Sort of like what happened with Alexa. Um, who I think was in the same situation where I think she could have used more time in NXT to polish up her skills. But clearly, she had the leg up on both in that she had the gimmick and the mannerisms and the promo ability to really, I think, carry herself forward. I don't know if that's so much in the case here, but I, that's obviously not important with Paige at the helm. So, all that aside, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this. To me, however, now this feels like a very, very overcrowded picture, almost, because now you have the Paige faction, you have Asuka running the show uh, as she's killing everybody, and then now you have sort of uh, Alexa caught in the middle of a lot of big, you know, tide-changing factions here. Plus, is still around here somewhere. Do you think maybe some of these, like there's maybe a trade and, and, you know, like Nia ends up on SmackDown or something like that? Or is there call-ups coming up there? Like, it's suddenly this got a very, it's a packed kitchen now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're very right about that. That's, you know, everything you just mentioned makes me think, oh, this is a great time because now they can actually have two matches on Monday Night Raw for the ladies that actually mean something. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're not just, hey, we're going to give you just to throw in a match, and then we're going to give you an actual match that has a storyline for the women's division. Right? That's usually the way it is. They, they just throw in one just to kind of say we had to. Now, if they really wanted to, they could throw two important storylines from that division inside of Raw and really run with it and Hey, you actually have quality, and it's more quality for the entire three-hour show. Um, take that away, though, and let's just say they're going to do what you're saying here and maybe trade some people away. I would have no problem, since you're going to have Asuka be kind of that dominant person for that division. You should probably consider maybe getting Nia over to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And maybe have her kind of run the show there. Because really, they don't have that on SmackDown. So this is a great opportunity for her to kind of help them. And not only that, if they ever wanted a faction, her and Tamina could team up. Mm-hmm. And just run the roost and take control of things. I think that would be super something super special. So there are a lot of things here. I don't really know how they would go about it. That's what I would do personally. And I mean, you may even trade somebody else over there to the SmackDown side and kind of do some things like that. But outside of that, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm a little bit lost on it. Uh, I'm still trying to work my way around what their idea is here. But I think the biggest thing for them is they feel like they've added a great piece in Paige and really kind of get some great things going for that division now that you have so much more talent. I agree. Uh, it's certainly this this Paige faction here is, is a huge 
spark of interest uh, to move into a division that I, I know you and I have often talked about falls very flat sometimes uh, and, and really has basically been held up by the Herculean effort of Alexa Bliss to keep everything interesting and really, I think, send segments home, even though uh, matches might always might not always deliver as, as much as uh, we would care to. Uh, I, this this certainly brings a lot of interest, and I don't think you can really fault them for for doing this. But I worry now that I mean they only dedicate so much time to the women, so unless they're willing to increase the footprint now, you're gonna have some moons of people around. And I think SmackDown could certainly use another face or two, uh, whether it's call ups or whether it's moving some people around from Raw or whatever. So. Yeah, and I think you kind of saw that in Survivor Series, too, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, you know, I think Alicia Fox was probably the one person you could say no one really cared about. Even though I want to give her credit. I'm going to be, be very honest, and I know I'm kind of getting off topic here, but i, I got to give credit to Alicia Fox. I think one of the most charismatic people on the Raw, Raw side, maybe outside of Alexa Bliss, because it's, it's she's a quirky character. But mm-hmm. I think it's actually kind of grown on me. I think it actually is working. I enjoy the silliness, the the quirkiness, the even though it's a, a scared little person at times. I, I just enjoy it. So I think she did a great job in adding her piece to that. But I think probably one of the last weaker Carmella on SmackDown is still to me very. I don't not saying underdeveloped. It's not there yet. I don't mm-hmm. care how much they try to push her. She's just not there. Natalia. Guys like us that are really respectful think she does a great job. But I'm not sure how many of the fans actually really care about her. So there are some people over there on SmackDown that may not be reaching the fans where if you traded some of these people from Raw over there, that would be a big deal. And I think it would help them a lot. So yeah. I think we're kind of on the same page here. And, and talking about Paige, I'm just going to ask you this question before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much about what's going on. You know, we keep hearing the rumors all off and on with Del Rio and all that. Um, but I just really wonder if she's put in this role. I'm assuming that she has found her way to being back dedicated to WB. I, I, I really wonder about that. And, you know, especially what they're doing here, they apparently want her to do something. So hopefully that, I hope that inspires her to, to work hard and want to be a part of WB. You know, I, I think WWE already has a whole bunch invested in Paige before the injury and all the, the the insane amount of drama that came with her and Del Rio being together, whether they still are or not, because that seems to be up for debate now if you follow all the social media stuff. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you that they, they want this to be a big deal and putting her at the forefront. I think they have just as much invested in her succeeding once again. Um after all that, because like like, I, like we've talked about before in the run-up to her return now, uh, people love, you know, a, a good, you know, a good, uh, what, what am I looking for, car crash, you know, of somebody falling from grace and then finding their way through and coming back up. So I, I think WWE wants to set that up, and it, I mean, if Paige manages to pull all this off and keep uh, you know, on the straight and narrow, I guess, and and, and dedicates herself to all this and whatever's going to happen to keep her, you know, walking the line, uh, if I could steal a line from Johnny Cash, I think WWE stands to gain a whole lot, just as much as Paige does, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm right there with you, and I just hope she keeps her nose clean and, you know, that doesn't, you know, end up in Folsom Prison or anything like that, so. (laughs) Sorry, I love Johnny Cash. Me too. Uh, (laughs) So... 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want all the best for her, and I, I'm really happy to see that she seems like she's got something going here. And you know, like I said, uh, if we get her going in the right direction and she stays on that you know path, it's going to be good things for WWE and good things for her too. So absolutely. Uh, so with that being said, Gary, we just got to rate this bad boy. What you going to give it? You know, this raw was you know a situation of some highlights. And a lot of just kind of stuff that was there, if you ask me personally. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of found ourselves with a, a really fun match, or not really fun, but a fun situation. We just got through talking about the women's division. I think that all ended up being really fun. It wasn't really about the match. The match was fine. But it was more about the extracurriculars, about this new faction with Paige. I think that was a huge highlight. I think... With the Ambrose and Rollins, you know, tag match with the bar, that was another big highlight for me that I think that they really did a great job. But there was so much here that was just kind of felt a little flat. That was just kind of there. Just kind of, like I said, fallout from Survivor Series. So I am going to go with, I think I'm going to give it a six. I just think they did enough to kind of, Make you okay with the show, but I just was not overly impressed. Uh, I think you and I are on the same wavelength here. I'm giving it a 6-2. There's, there's a lot to like on this show, and I don't want to take away from that. You have Finn and Joe having a good match. Dean and Sheamus have a good match. I think the women's division was the the huge highlight uh, of this episode and the reason you should watch it, because I think all the segments between them were, were uh, good to great. And um, I just you have some mid card stuff that I think really takes away. But the cruiserweight division segments were just awful this week, and that that really sucks to say because I'm a huge fan of a lot of the guys in there. But it's just it just wasn't much of anything. Uh, I I like Braun a lot. I'm still not all that invested in him and Kane. Uh, and of course, bringing around the authority again is, I think, going to make a lot of people roll their eyes and sort of go, "Ugh, again." So, I think so. There's there's some stuff on here that takes away from what could have been a very enjoyable RAW. Um, yeah, that, that's that's mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, and I agree with you on those assessments. And I just want to say this before we get out of here. Hey, Kane, go find something else to you know be a part of when it comes to politics. Go go run for Senate or something. I just think that works better, please. So uh, I just don't like that whole thing with him and Brom. It just kind of bores me to death. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, there you go. That is Monday Night Raw from us, and we appreciate you all for joining us. We had a lot of fun here, and uh, we hopefully can get an opportunity next week to talk about some more great things for Monday Night Raw, and hopefully it's a lot better rating. I'm really hoping for that. So, oh, and by the way, I, I didn't gloat on this, but uh, you know, sorry, Harry and Liz, our team won. Just, just throw that. Kind of, <laughs> kind of rub that in a little bit over there, so y'all think about that tomorrow. Yeah, that's right, Team Raw, baby. Uh, but anyway, uh, so there you go. We appreciate you once again. W2Mnet.com. Don't forget to go there and find us and find all the other great podcasts that are available. Hey, and if you want to come find us, it's very, very easy. Go subscribe and rate and review over there at Wrestling at the Max. That'll not only get you our Raw review, it'll get you Harry and Liz's SmackDown Live and 205 Live Review. And me and Paul will be doing NXT that we can't wait to talk about this week. So there's lots of great stuff coming your way. Way it is going to be a blast, trust me. Oh, and also 
Don't forget to go subscribe and rate and review also to the W2M Network if you want to come get everything that W2Med.com has to offer when it comes to podcasts. That's something else that we kind of sometimes don't say a lot, but we want you to go do that because it'll get you guys like Wrestling Unwrapped, which Harry does a great job with Patrick Ketza. You also get other great shows like Running Wild Podcasts and plenty, plenty more other ones. Uh, and, you know, once again, big love for Mania.com and last word on ProWrestling.com. Those are some great supporters of ours. We appreciate them and all they do for us. So there you go. We appreciate you. And we will catch you guys down the road. Have a good one, guys. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.